just hearing your voice on the podcast the first time, I was like, this guy's great. You know, it's just funny because you have such a distinct voice and you, you know, you're very outgoing. So you really shine through. So thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. I love the love between you guys already. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Hey everybody. I'm back with Sammy and Robbie and they're joining me again for another goosebumps. Most wanted this time it's 12 screams of Christmas coming up next. So you have a long to be read list and you don't know how to proceed. Just give yourself a break, my friend, cause Dustin can read. Dustin can read. Ho, ho, horror. Kate Wells just wants the lead role in her school's Christmas play. Her annoying (coughs) friend, Courtney, is constantly getting in the way of that. But Kate has to get along with her or else neither of them will be allowed to take part in the production of The Twelve Screams of Christmas. Even worse, Kate and Courtney's teacher decides that they need to find a special place to rehearse. A certain house with a lot of history. The kind of place that Kate would normally be pretty frightened to go into. The kind of place that gives new meaning to the term Christmas spirit. Welcome, both of you. <laughs> I'm so Hello. glad you guys are joining me um, to come back for more Goosebumps Most Wanted. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. So, yeah, I was I just wanted to have you guys back because I was like, well, the two Goosebumps episodes I did was with both of you. So let's just bring you both back and we'll finish out the year with a, you know, Christmassy one. I am, Might as well. Or holiday themed one. I am always down uh, for more Goosebumps. Always. They're just so absurd and fun. You know, why This not? was definitely the most absurd one that I've ever read before. Like, I feel like I've read some absurd Goosebump books, but like this one was kind of like this one. This one was a lot there. There was just so much (laughs) going on with this one. And I was kind of like, oh, my gosh. okay." (laughs) but at least it was coherent. Yeah. (laughs) For the most part. It wasn't like the haunted mask, you know, most wanted the haunted mask, whatever it was, which was just a train wreck of whatever the hell was going on. That. Well, that one had so oh, many different golly. stories it was trying to tell, you know, it was jumping back and forth, or at least this one told like one cohesive story. Yes. So, and one protagonist that we could, you know, yeah. follow along. Yeah. But Robbie knows about this story kind of, because since we did zombie Halloween and this is the special edition number two, and you know, I was like, well, all four of these special editions have the same house on the cover, so they've got to be all related somehow. And it is to a degree, um, mainly because of the house. But okay. we'll find out more about that when we get to it. I don't know. Okay. If you want to hear about that, just listen to the episode. I'll have to, because <laughs> I definitely made note of the fact that these ghosts seemed more like zombies than ghosts. So, And what's funny is that I think the zombies in Zombie Halloween are more like ghosts okay <laughs> which it's really strange you'll when you hear the episode you'll understand okay i will definitely they do a lot of whispering it. and stuff and it's like what zombies whisper to people <laughs> <I don't... laughs> it's really strange so yeah so this one is goosebumps most wanted the 12 screams of christmas um so christmas to me i kind of look at it more as like the pagan solstice <laughs> in a way because that's where a lot of the traditions came from right. anyway yeah. like the trees and the lights and all that a lot of that stuff came from that yes Anyway, so one of the things about Christmas time is what the Christmas carols. Now, Robbie here is not a big Christmas 
<laughs> Robbie's Jewish, so he does not celebrate the Christmas. <laughs> not against it. Not against it. To be but, fair, uh, you're, okay, you're okay with the holiday season and the good cheer, obviously. Well, I, I'm, I'm a festive guy. I'm a jolly festive guy. To be fair, I don't really out. care for Christmas myself. Um, <laughs> I think it's extremely over-commercialized, and by the time Christmas rolls around, I'm sick of it. Because they start putting oh, up Christmas decorations in September in in stores. So it's like Halloween and Thanksgiving are completely overshadowed. So by the time December 25th finally rolls around, I am so over Christmas. So I just don't care Ditto. for it. I just don't care for it. That's what I've been holding off. Like this is the most Christmas thing I've done. I watched a little bit of that Dash and Lily show because it's a YA based show. Mm-hmm. But and it's a good show. But um, last year. I ended up watching Hallmark way too much all through November, and <laughs> I was like, "I hate Christmas." By the by, the time December rolled around, I was I was so anti Christmas. Yeah, I don't I don't blame you. Yeah, but the good thing is this one isn't a preachy Christmas. It just takes place at the Christmas time. Yeah, it's not really even about Christmas. Really, <laughs> it's nothing not really. really about it. So that's what's great about this. Got the screams of Christmas, okay, Dustin. Just the screams. We got the 12 screams of Christmas, which obviously, you know, is based off the 12 days of Christmas, which is a carol. Um, I looked up on Wikipedia. But yeah, it came out. um, It's an English carol um, that came out like around 1780. And it didn't really have a melody. It was just basically a poem. Mm -hmm. They said it was a song. I guess it was just a poem. But people, I mean, it really doesn't have a melody except for the whole five golden rings part. That's the most melodic spot in the song a bit of a confession here when i was reading i when i first read you know the lyrics i didn't have it in my head i had to really like read it a few times to to realize what song it was but it took me really before i realized you know i think it was like the second time they went through it in the book i was like oh i think i know that song (laughs) i'm dead serious well you get a pass (laughs) i'm really excited about this because i i really did like this story i did too i'm with you dustin I think I like this one more than I think we agree on that. I like this one more than Haunted Halloween for sure. Zombie Halloween. Zombie Halloween, yes. Sammy <laughs> was saying it's like a coherent book, and I enjoyed that. It felt to me more like uh, an old school Goosebumps. You know, it, wasn't it really did. Yeah. Like it just flowed a lot better. Yeah. Top. I enjoyed it a lot more. Yeah, I liked this one so more scary. than the Haunted Mask as well because this one was definitely a lot more like traditional Goosebumps book, albeit some of the choices were a little questionable as far as i was concerned but it just wasn't so over the top and i appreciated that you know yes give me the old school feel well in this we start off in 1886 with the marcus family moving into their new home on christmas day which is an odd thing in my opinion i thought it was 1882 i don't know why you would move on christmas day but it was 1882 not 1886 was it 1882 Did I write? Maybe mine said 86. Oh, do we, maybe we have different like editions. All I know is like the prologue is might literally be. titled Prologue 1882. Go to the beginning. I'm really interested now. It is 1882. What the hell did I get 1886? <laughs> <laughs> I can't read, guys. I just can't. Apparently, apparently I can't read. <laughs> apparently I can't. At least not numbers. Dustin so yeah, read. we're in 1882. Dustin can't read. Oh, Lord. Well, okay. 1882. Mm-hmm. And we're at the Marcus family. They're moving in on Christmas Day. And so we got these rambunctious kids. They're just crazy as hell. Like, we got 12-year-old Abe and his identical twin, Ned. Which, what is with R.L. Stein and twins? He just, he really has a thing for twins. Twins and redheads. 
R.L. Stein really, the, yeah, and really the thing loves all, twins and redheads. Really that often. No, no, they don't. But R.L. Stein really has a thing for twins and redheads. Yes. So I'll, every time. So they also have a 10 year old sister named Flora. Mm-hmm. So we got Abe, Ned and Flora. And already Ned is pinned as this prankster. And I don't know why we always have to have a prankster in one of these books, but we do. And I mean, are there really that many kids that pull this many pranks yes, all the time? Yeah. Yeah, there are like really? that's that's actually very not common. So like my brother was kind of the prankster in our family. Um, and I mean, just like Robbie, you got anybody in your family? Uh, no, but I am a teacher. Yeah. See, <laughs> and that was the thing is I was also an elementary education major and I, I was a camp counselor for many years and a babysitter. There is always a prankster kid like there. There are always so many of them that, you know, because they think they're clever and they think they're funny. And so they're always trying to like pull these pranks that they think, you know, either way, there's, it's, it's a very common thing. So that does not surprise me. (laughs) It's okay. You have a little PTSD from it. We get it. Maybe just, maybe just a tad. (laughs) It's all right. Take a breath. Take a breath. It's all right. (laughs) Well, anyway, so yeah, Ned keeps doing pranks and he's playing keep away with Flora's like red bonnet, her cap, Mm -hmm. they keep calling it. Until the father scolds them and is like, you're playing too rough. Don't do that. You know, Flora, go help your mom in the kitchen. You know, like a little sexist asshole. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and you boys, you go be around books and go get into trouble. Like, so the girl has to go work and the kids can go. The, other, the boys can go explore. Like, that's such a double standard. Such a jerky thing. A little bit. Yep. I mean, come on, make them unpack. <laughs> so, yeah. So they're <laughs> make them unpack. Um, they're off to explore the grounds and they find this old shack out back. And it reminds Abe of this gingerbread house they his sister sat on once and they still ate, which I wouldn't want to do because all I would taste is like girl butt. Like, I mean, I don't like, think she I don't sat on, I don't think she bare cheeked it. She probably sat on it with her clothes on. <laughs> it's not like she she just, could still fart. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> also, like, <laughs> is it just me or did this whole section seem a little bit too like Little House on the Prairie for 1882? Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, 1882 is is not that long ago, you know, but yet they're like ma and pawing and, you know, they're they're writing with inkwells. And I'm like, that seems more like like 1700s than 1880s to me. It it seems. Well, there also might be. This is kind of a suburban type town now. So I'm guessing back then is more rural, possibly still like. That's, it that's just, it seemed very Little House on the Prairie to me, and it seemed a little bit in the wrong time era for 1882, but that yeah, might just be me bit. and my love for history nitpicking, so. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> Ned wants to go explore the shack, but Abe warns that Paul said it's haunted. I'm like, where, what? So, of course, this makes Ned want to go in more. So in they go. It's moldy and dirty. And, you know, Ned just wants to fix it up for a clubhouse. Mm-hmm. He's like, this could be like our house. Right. Did you ever do that kind of stuff, Robbie? Did you ever go exploring and like find places that you would like? We used to find like construction houses and like go explore them. The one thing I do remember is we had this kind of uh, right behind my elementary school. So we had this kind of little like uh it was kind of like a setting of trees and we had set up like these, I think it was like sheets or something around it. We made this little fort. Mm-hmm. So we yeah. did have this little spot that we had, but uh, you know, not too much exploring. I did live in a suburb, but uh, yeah, we had our little, our little hideaway, which is cool. You know? Yeah. 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 Oh, see, sure. I actually grew up like in the country, like middle of nowhere. 
So it's like we were constantly. You totally had to find some place to. Yeah. So it's like we we would build clubhouses. We would build them in our basement. We would just find, you know, trees that were close together and, you know, put strings, like, you know, tie ropes between the trees and hang blankets over them to create walls and stuff like that. So it's like, yeah, we definitely did this sort of thing. Yeah, you went. <laughs> when you live yeah. in a town of 240 sure. people when you live in a town of 240 people you have to find a way to make your own entertainment so yeah so yeah they're, they're exploring this clubhouse by the way and um they see this like gray oval thing this mass hovering near the ceiling mm-hmm. which it's a weird thing to have just this gray thing i don't know what it is i don't know what it is it just says it's gray and it's making this buzzing sound and ned like is like i'm gonna go poke this yeah, thing and like abe's like no don't, don't do it <laughs> just don't and it's like screw you and he goes up and he pokes it and what comes out a whole huge swarm of freaking wasps it's a wasp nest just, <laughs> you know <laughs> Just not a so, good yeah, idea. They haul ass out of there. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, Ned gets stung in the process, which is, I think, good. He needs to, you know, a little jerk needs to learn a lesson. <laughs> <laughs> like, don't poke things. Don't poke the bear. Or don't poke the wasp nest. Mm-hmm. And so they book it to this garden shed and they hide out until the wasps give up. And they're like, oh, good. We, we survived. Right. Yay. And they're celebrating. They're dancing around. And then. All of a sudden, they hear their their sister's voice like, hey, guys, look at me. I can dance, too. I'm just and she's just like, yay. I'm just really surprised at how nonchalant they are about receiving multiple wasp stings. I mean, they just, you know, they they literally just got stung dozens of times by wasps. And I hear one wasp sting feels like getting hit with a hammer. And they're just like it hurts. Yeah. And they've been stung like, you know, probably a dozen times each. And they're just totally okay with it they're just dancing it off i mean i know kids are resilient, oh my god it's so painful on. like i bumped up against like so i have a drain pipe that's near our garage and so when i drove in i got out of the car once this is years back but i got out of the car and i accidentally just kind of grazed the drain pipe with my foot mm-hmm. and apparently there was a wasp nest inside oh boy and they came out and i got stung three times once in the leg and two in the back and it was so painful I don't know how they'd be dancing around like this. I'm like, give me the Benadryl. Yeah. <laughs> it was so bad. So one thing I loved was, uh, I feel like Arl Stein does this all the time. He goes, uh, he's, you know, he, he, there's a nasty smell that follows them, you yeah. know? And he, Oh yeah. He smell that follows them. I love that. You know, I feel like he, in this book, he does it a few different times. It's always like a foul odor mm. or a nasty smell. I love that, you know. It kind of takes- well, it always accompanies the bad thing, right? Like it has to have some kind of physical manifestation somehow, all right. the time. Like I'm not exactly sure if wasps do indeed have a smell, but these they probably wasps had a foul odor. I, you know, I like that. <laughs> I wouldn't doubt that they have a smell, especially in a big swarm hive like that. Possibly, I wouldn't doubt like it. a lot of pheromones or something. Right. <laughs> yeah. So Flora is dancing around and. They warn her, like, you know what? You're on the side of this well, this well that's on our property. And she's dancing around. They're like, you need to get off the well. And she's not listening. And then what happens? She falls in. And, oh, my God. It's just, oh, it's just horrible. I mean, I would not be, I would not want to be in this situation because they call the parents out. They're like, mom, dad, mom, Paul. That's what they say. Mom, Paul. (laughs) Dumb floors, dumb falling in the damn well. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) Because uh, when I listened to your uh, Haunted Mask episode, one thing that you noted, I I, I spoke this 
uh, I mentioned this to Dustin during our episode, but uh, you mentioned the, the classic R.L. Stein, the no. Oh, yeah, no. no. Yep. So, uh, when she falls, oh, yeah, that happens. When she falls, he goes, the last thing I saw was that flappy, the floppy red cap, the, the bonnet. Mm-hmm. And uh, you get the, oh, a moan of horror escaped my open mouth. And I thought it'd be amazing. Right, right. I don't think we got, a, like, I did take note of it, but we did not get a new until, like, um, like chapter 14 or something like that. So it, it takes us quite a few chapters to actually finally get the new. I was surprised too. I was like, we got it. And I was like, oh, we finally got it. <laughs> <laughs> but um But like so yeah, so Flora's down there and she's she's what? down the well, and I feel like nobody's really doing much of anything to even try to get her out. The dad basically is just like, Well, we can't get her out. I don't have a rope. Like it the just, rope's too short. They're just not even trying. Like, yeah, they try to get her up. With I'm like, so you're not going to like try to like tie your clothes to it to lengthen right? the rope, like anything. Or, or jump down the well with her and like, per, you know, keep her from drowning. Just nothing. It's like <laughs> anything. We're just going to put no. the bucket down there and try to get her out. But when the bucket breaks, well, I guess we tried. Just going to let her little girl oh, well, just drown. She's gonna... They just, they no really. Time, no time. And all she's doing is like, get me out. Get yeah. me out. Get me it out. Just, they really didn't seem to try very hard to get their only daughter out of this well. They didn't even drop the ball because they didn't even have the ball yeah. <laughs> to drop. <laughs> like it was that bad. So is she like, let me ask you this. So is she, she's in this well, you know, but I guess the rope snaps, she falls into the well. Is she drowning in this well? Yeah. Is it a situation where she, she, she's trapped in there and I'm guessing right. she drowned after, you know, we find out later she screams, let get me out 12 times. So I'm guessing after the 12th time she drowned. <laughs> what I was thinking is she goes, you know, th- at the end of that, that, that first section, she goes, you know, there's no time, pa, pa, no time. I thought that was funny. She's yeah. able to calculate all this time, apparently. Right, right, right. Well, to me, it was like he was going to the neighbor to get the rope. He wanted to help her out. But she goes, no time, pa. So is she drowning? Is that what's happening? And she has no time to, because uh, that must be it. That's the only thing I can yeah, think I of. I took it as she was drowning, you know, like she, you know, cause the well was deep and she was like trying to stay afloat and, and couldn't, right. and then I guess drown. Like, you know, she's in the, the, the well, I mean, I would guess that if she could swim, you do have some time, you know, that's where I, was, where <laughs> I mean, I she's gone. what, 10 Right, you right, know, she's right. ten years old. She must have just tired out. And you know, I mean, we're we're literally at a point in time where curtains are for girls. So I guarantee she hasn't gotten right. swimming lessons because swimming right. is a boy thing. <laughs> you know, right. girls can go learn how to. Well, make that's how they curtains. test for witchcraft at this time. Yeah, isn't it? <laughs> you know, girls can go make curtains. Boys will learn how to swim. So my guess is, just judging from the sexism we've seen inherent in this chapter, that she probably doesn't know how to swim. Right. So. She's probably just right, splashing well, around well, trying not Sammy to. Sammy and Robbie analyzing 1882. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so girl drowns. Mm-hmm. You know, and those, this whole thing reminds me of the beginning of Zombie Halloween, a very similar beginning. Oh, I'm telling very, you right now. Very similar. Definitely Zombie Halloween vibes. And, and a girl dies at the beginning, everything. Yep, yep. <laughs> same same yep, type of two boys and a girl, and the girl dies. It's same type of situation. So from there, we cut to present day, part one. It's December. It's Christmas time, y'all. Our narrator now is Kate Wells. Mm -hmm. Now, Kate describes herself as this kind of cheerful kid and this group of friends. She's relatively popular. You know, she's got, you know, a good set of friends, Um, except for she has a frenemy named Courtney Smith. 
who is Which, a total. I don't know why I went instantly to Courtney Thornsmith. But she you know Courtney is? is like a total twat. Oh my god. I yeah, do does. not like her. I'll tell you this. Just like there's she's a, a total see you next Tuesday, yes. that's for sure. <laughs> there's always a prankster, there's always a Courtney. Yeah. That I can there is always, always a, a the Courtney. Yeah. There is always a mean girl. So I hated her. Yeah. I did too. Yeah. I absolutely did. I hated her. But you know, like I said, Kate, on the other hand, has some good friends actually, and that like Carol Ann and her friend Jack. Um, which Carol Ann, I was like, is this a nod to poltergeist? It might be. Which going on further into the book, I'm like, this feels like it was a nod to poltergeist the entire time. But I don't know, maybe that's just me. It could have been like one of those things in the back of Stein's mind. Oh, I'm gonna talk about ghosts. All right, Carol Ann. I don't know. So a few other names are thrown out there, but we, you know, in the first couple of paragraphs. The one thing that bothered me was that Kate has a Facebook page at age 12. I mean, which I thought was very, what? that doesn't surprise uh, me. I'm sure. So I mean, it's, sure I, I it's happening, wanna, but I think it's really one of those bad things. Parents need to be aware. of. I mean, so first off, I do want to point out that this is the first time I've ever seen Facebook mentioned in a goosebumps book, oh, yeah, which was very right. interesting. But um, to go off of your point, Dustin, these days, I see kids that are like 10 years old having Facebook. You know, I mean, they, they've got cell phones when they're like six years old. You know, it's like well, I'll tell you one better. I teach seventh grade mm-hmm. and every single student that I teach has their own TikTok. Yep. They probably have their own TikTok, Instagram, Snapchat. It's like kids have all these social media these days. Like, yeah, we didn't have it when we were growing up. I mean, I didn't have Facebook until like my second year of college because yeah. that's when it came out, you know. Um, but it's like, yeah, kids these days, that's that's part of their childhood is they have Facebook, TikTok, And that's Instagram. what's really disappointing. Oh, yeah. It's really disappointing because I keep hearing all these people like, oh, you keep your kids off Facebook. And people that I know who have kids are like, oh, no, we're keeping them off social media. So I'm like, are they? Are they off social media or you just don't know about it? It might be like, that, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, oh, now it's kind of making me nervous. I'm like, plus this was another thing. This was 2017 mm-hmm. when this came out. I think it was 2017. Yeah. Even three years ago when this came out, like, do kids use Facebook? Because I know, like you said, they a lot of them are using TikTok. Mm-hmm. I know Snapchat, that's for sure. Right. Like, you don't see them yeah. use it as much anymore. That's kind of for old people like us. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, family kind of stuff. Yeah. It just felt, I don't know, weird. But maybe that's just me. I think they, I just think that maybe they should start continuing to make up social media fake social media stuff for books true, and stuff instead true. of relying on real life things. You Plus also, it dates it. Well, you also have to remember like R.L. Stein is kind of an older person. 70s. You know, he's, he's <laughs> definitely a boomer and to him, Facebook is still kind of fresh and new and it's like he just sees it as, oh, everybody uses Facebook, you know, and it's like Despite the fact that he writes young adult novels, he's very out of touch with the age group that he writes for. And you can tell in some of the things that he mentions in his books and the way he writes. It's like he was a little bit more in touch back when the books were new when we were kids. But it's like nowadays, it's like he's still using a lot of the same tropes and mentalities that he was using when he was writing books back in the 80s and 90s. And they just don't fit anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, they're kind of outdated. You know, like, yeah, he... He, I'm sure he's got a ghostwriter or at least an editor that's like, you need to throw in some social media stuff. Yeah, you know, so when <laughs> it's sure. like, to him, Facebook is probably, you know, that's everybody uses Facebook. He probably doesn't, like, I mean, granted, he does know what Instagram is. He's like pictures on Instagram. But it's like, you know, mm-hmm. that's 
Facebook is probably the one that he just figured everybody knows what Facebook is, you know, it's the mega one. That's the, yeah. you know, it's just, it's the granddaddy really. Yeah. So, I mean, besides the MySpace, but oh my God, if you had written MySpace. <laughs> oh yeah. No, this book would not have, it would have immediately taken me out of like, taken me out of this. I've been like, MySpace whoa, been in there. <laughs> MySpace. Did you see Tom? Like when, anyway. <laughs> So, yeah, Kate wants to win this part in the school play, which is a whole bag of worms with Christmas plays in in public schools Mm -hmm. that I don't want to get into. But her teacher, Mrs. Wentz, (laughs) she likes her, even though I just love this part. Kate mentioned this because Kate's narrating it. And she says, Mrs. Wentz, she likes her, even though she has horrible lipstick and sounds like she's puking when she laughs. (laughs) Yeah, Kate's not really Kate like, is not really kind in her descriptions of the people that she likes. No. Like when she goes on no. later to describe Mr. P, it's very cruel. And it's like, oh, we like him, oh, but yeah. he's fat and like ugly. And it's like, oh my God, you're such a nice person, Kate. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness. So yeah, Mrs. Wentz had to break up an argument between Kate and her frenemy Courtney about the play and kept them both after school. And now Kate's, you know, late to do a little rehearsing with her friend, Jack Hopper, Mm -hmm. which is a great name, by the way. I love that name. Um, she was supposed to go over lines with him for, you know, prepping for the audition. Right. So this is where we get a little more in depth with Kate. She decides to cut through the graveyard to save some time to, you know, meet up with him. And she talks to herself a lot, which I find endearing Mm -hmm. because I do the same. She keeps telling herself not to be scared that it won't happen again. Mm-hmm. And first I'm like, what happened? What, what are we about to go into? You know, but we find out. What does she see when she's walking through the graveyard? At first I thought it was going to be zombies. Right. <laughs> because we just did zombie <laughs> Halloween. And I was like, and then no, it's ghosts. Mm-hmm. Turns out Kate is basically Haley Joel Osment. Yeah. She sees dead people. Yeah, that's literally the same around. note I wrote. I see dead people. So <laughs> <laughs> they're in and out of graves. They're talking to each other. And apparently this happened last spring. And she told a bunch of friends about it. And Courtney and the little wench gave her a nickname, Ghost Girl, mm-hmm. which everyone teases her about now. Right. Yeah. So anyway, so these ghosts are sitting there and they're talking and then they look over and they see her. They noticed her and they're like, does she see us? What's going on here? And then one of them just starts coming towards her, this old man ghost. And he's like, has outstretched arms. And you're like, oh crap. She's like, oh no. She's bracing for impact. And that's when Jack shows up and all the ghosts disappear. Mm-hmm. Luckily. You're forgetting about one of my favorite scenes here. So she sees a squirrel. Do you remember this? No. You know what? She sees a squirrel it, when she enters the cemetery. And uh, she actually has a conversation with it. And she goes, don't ever play hide and sink. You'd stink at it. Oh, yeah. And I forgot movie, about that. I was dying when I read that. I was like, really? Really, Kate? It was just so funny. I took that as part of the, she's talking to herself. <laughs> I think I just. <laughs> I thought it was so funny. Like, that squirrel's not talking back. <laughs> squirrel's nuts. Ba-doom-tsh. Oh, my God. Um, I couldn't help it. And I'm done. Anyway. You guys have a great night. <laughs> so. The way that Kate describes Jack with this red hoodie and this black leather jacket, it makes me think that Jack is like this cool kid that mm-hmm. she's got a crush on. She doesn't even say that at first. And we later on, she does. We find yeah. out we have, she has yeah. a crush. It's pretty obvious though, the way she talks about mm-hmm. him. Of course, Jack has quote, copper hair. Yep. Told you. The obligatory redhead. I told you. Right there. So they leave the graveyard and Jack tells 
she tells Jack about how Courtney made her late. And she says that she hates her, but then she takes it back. She only detests her a little. I don't hate her. I would I stick with hate. Detest her a little. They laugh, and now I'm convinced that Stein wrote me into this book <laughs> as Kate mm. because I'm like, I don't hate her. I just hate. I just hate her. <laughs> you know, just a little bit. She congratulates herself, saying, "I can be pretty funny," which is sadly a Dustin thing to do. <laughs> um, Kate says that she needs a bit of good luck lately, and then a large black cat crosses their path. Only Jack can't see it. Yeah. He cannot see this cat. And I'm guessing, you know, the cat's dead, obviously. It hisses at her and runs off. And it makes me wonder, is this the same black cat that jumped out at the kids in Zombie Halloween, Robbie? Gotta be. Like, because that jumped out and then it went away, too. Cemetery, it's gotta be. Is this like this bad omen all of a sudden? You know, the black cat crossing uh, the path. Yes, it's, the outdated. I think that's what it is. Ah, yes, the outdated and problematic black cats are bad luck trope. Yes. Good to see that well, that's hey, still alive you know. well. Well, that's what I'm thinking. So back at Kate's house, they rehearse and they for the play auditions, which Kate calls them tryouts. Mm-hmm. And it makes me cringe so much. And like when they call it play practice, mm-hmm. not play rehearsal. OK, it's not the same. It makes me so mad. I'm like, no, no, you practice it like sports. You practice to get a routine down or, or like a not a routine like dancing, but like to get like a. a to condition yourself to something when you rehearse, you're trying to get the same thing the exact same way every single time. Right. You know, right. you can't do that with sports. So that's practice and get what I'm saying. I don't know. Sorry. I'm getting all preachy on this. So. <laughs> Dustin. So Kate's mom, your theater nerd is showing Dustin. I can't help it. <laughs> I started in five by birdie my senior year of high school. I have my, uh, my theater background. Oh, I mean, I have a theater background as well. So ditto. We're going to have to do a musical episode. (laughs) Maybe. We'll see. So, yeah. Kate's mom comes in with chips and dip. We learned that her mom was a fashion model Mm -hmm. in her 20s, which I'm like, okay. Which explained, I was like, you know, oh, maybe Kate's really pretty like her mom. And she's like, no, I look like my dad. Oh, yeah. And then she like, you know, we're we're body (laughs) shaming a middle schooler because she isn't a supermodel. I was like, this is great. (laughs) Not only that, but the the mother nibbles on one chip. Nibbles on a corn chip. I love that. I, I like uh, takes her like God. ten minutes to eat one corn chip. I'm so full. I hated watching people do that. I'm like, eat the chip, <laughs> just eat it. That's the nacho chip, making it last. Yeah. So like, I'm thinking that Kate is a quote handsome girl. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing I can think of. She says she looks like her dad. You know, right? That's you know, I'm thinking like B. Arthur, like really short. You know, <laughs> um, <laughs> that's the only thing I can think of. <laughs> And, of course, the play's name we find out is The Twelve Screams of Christmas. Mm-hmm. The music teacher, Mr. Piccolo, is directing. Right. He also wrote the play, of course, mm-hmm. which makes me think something's up with Mr. Piccolo already. Yep. Hence, you know. Yep. So, Mom asks about the play, and they tell her it's, you know, it's a ghost story, kind of in the vein of A Christmas Carol, sort of. But here's their d- description from the book. It's about a family who moves into a haunted house on Christmas Eve. The house is haunted by a ghost family who used to live there, but they had a terrible tragedy that ruined their lives, and now they want to celebrate Christmas and keep the new family there forever. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, that's a solid kind of story. I mean, it sounds like a I goosebump guess, book. For a kid's in, play. It sounds like a goosebump book exactly. inside a goosebump book. Yes, it does. Very meta. Yeah. Kate's mom doesn't really want her auditioning now because Kate has a thing with ghosts. Mm-hmm. So. And Jack brings up the ghost girl thing and it upsets Kate a lot. And she nearly tells them about the ghost and the black cat she saw earlier. But 
wisely holds her tongue. I just, she needs to tell someone something Mm -hmm. like it's going to develop an ulcer from, you know, ghost anxiety. That's the only thing I can think of. Yeah. You know, ghost ulcer. I don't know. A a ghoster. (laughs) Ghoster. No. Just then Kate hears the piano in the room begin to play on its own (gasps) chapter cliffhanger. And it turns out to be mom's ring. Yeah. So, you know, despite the fact that Kate can see ghosts, I also feel like Kate has severe anxiety problems um, because she's always on edge. Like ghost thing aside, like everything is on edge for her. Like everything is ghost for her. It's like she's clearly got some sort of anxiety complex on top of the seeing ghost thing that should probably be addressed. And you know what? Okay, so she started seeing these ghosts last spring. Apparently, Why couldn't she see the ghost before that? What happened to Kate? Something made her something happened I mean, to her. It, and now she's anxious it, as hell. It and she's seeing be ghosts. that trope of, you know, you develop superpowers in your adolescence, you know, around puberty. Yeah. And I mean, that that's just kind of a common trope that you see in all sorts of literature is, you know, like around 11 to 13, you develop your superpowers because you're going through puberty, you know, and that could be right. that. Well, it could also be like I was saying, like, you know, how like somebody like or, Zach Bagans yeah, or, or something went, always says, oh, I went to a traumatic event and now I can see ghosts. Yeah, and I'm like, OK, that too. God, good old Zach Bagans. He asks for trouble. <sighs> Don't get me started on Zach Bagans. <laughs> oh, we'll talk later. <laughs> <laughs> Mom leaves and Jack and Kate continue on. And Jack asks her why she and Courtney are at each other's throats all the time since they used to be best friends. Bless you. Thank you. Sorry. Yep. <laughs> it's okay. So yeah, Jack asks why she and Courtney are at each other's throats all the time since they used to be best friends. And Kate also wonders if Jack likes Courtney jealous much. Mm-hmm. According to Kate, Courtney is still pissed. They lost a gymnastics competition last year because Kate fell off the balance beam. And Jack adds, cause you saw a ghost in the bleachers. Which is odd because she said she saw the ghost the first time in the graveyard last spring. And it feels a weird continuity. Yeah. Thing going on. Yeah. I, I don't know. I didn't know where that was going either. I thought that was strange, but I just went ahead and wrote it off and was like, whatever, just an error by accident. So all of a sudden, this ghost girl starts floating into the room quietly. Mm-hmm. Kate is afraid to say anything, but then sees Jack looking at the girl too. It turns out after another bogus cliffhanger, it's just Courtney in a ghost makeup and in costume. Yeah, and I'm sorry, but have you ever seen a sixth grader manage to mimic floating convincingly? Because I definitely haven't. That's only thing. Well, Kate's anxiety, I guess. I she suppose. just sees things that aren't actually happening. <laughs> yeah, even though, yeah. So Kate's mom let Courtney in, which I'm like, do you not know your daughter hates I mean, this that's, girl? that's a very parent thing is, you know, oh, that's your little friends from school, you know. I'm very detached from no, you I hate in her. your life, you know this. so I'm just going to invite her in. But apparently they were like BFFs just last year. Like, kids, they, they are friends one day and enemies the next day and then friends again the next week. So it's like they fall in and out of each other's favor so quickly and so flippantly that it's like most parents can't keep up with how fast they're hating each other or not hating each other. And they probably just don't care. Well, what bothers me is that, you know, she comes into their house, her house. Mm-hmm. She's not her house. This is, this is Kate's house. Right. She comes into Kate's house and who comes into someone's home and acts like this to the host, like such a jerk. You know what I mean? Like, why do you go into somebody's house and start acting like such a jerk to them? I just, I don't, I get mean, it. you clearly weren't, she belittles the, um, Kate. You, you clearly weren't the 
like least popular kid in school when you were growing up, because this has definitely happened to me where my least favorite people would come over and just be nasty in the other room. But then when your parents come in, then they're all of a sudden nice and friendly. So kids are mean. Yeah. See, that's the thing. I was not a popular kid, but I also didn't put up with crap. <laughs> I was a pushover. <laughs> they would have been down on the floor. <laughs> I'm more of a pushover now, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah. So like, She's acting like she's putting her down. She's, you know, bringing up the whole gymnastics thing. And then I don't know. Now she's like, well, now that my gymnastics career is shot, I guess I'll be an actress. I'm like, girl, you're 12. I was like, (laughs) okay, so your elementary school gymnastics team didn't make it to state one time. And now it's a lost cause. So you're you're now suddenly going to be serious about being an actor. It's like, yeah. Okay, Courtney, you're a bit dramatic, so maybe acting is good for you. (laughs) She thinks because of her makeup that she's definitely going to win the part. And Kate vows no matter what to win that role. Anything. What was that? that. What'd you say? Anything to win that part. Anything. Right. Yeah, that sounds a little casting couch suggested there. (laughs) Like, watch out, Kate. Watch out what you wish for. (laughs) That was another Goosebumps book, but we all know this. So, yeah, here's the colorful description of the music teacher that we get. This is what she says, quote, it would be funny if Mr. Piccolo resembled a piccolo, but he doesn't. Actually, he's quite round, more like a bass fiddle. The true story. He has a- when I read that, I took I wrote the exact quote down. Also, I didn't know what a piccolo was, first of all. So I had to Google what a piccolo was. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a clarinet looking thing. Right, right, right. Then I didn't know what a bass fiddle was either. So I had to Google what that looked like, and it gave me a pretty good picture. <laughs> and it was not very nice. No. It continues on. He, she says, he has a big pouch of a belly that stretches the oversized tech turtleneck sweaters he always wears. He has a round face, too. He's mostly bald with a scalp shines like a bowling ball, and he wears square eyeglasses, which are always sliding down his long, straight nose. He peers over at you with his glasses with his little narrow, his little sparrow eyes. He reminds me of an owl that should go on a diet. He has a high voice and a nervous way of talking really fast. I guess it gets he gets really gets very excited about everything we do in his class. Like, oh, my God. Yeah, she like, completely such a horrible she completely ripped him apart. Like the only part that I wrote down specifically was the owl that should go on a diet. And I was like, this is really mean, you know, but it's like. It really Kate is. seems to really just tear the people that she loves apart with her descriptions of them. And it's like you if you really like them, it really doesn't show Kate because you're kind of nasty. No, 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 she does not. Mm. I can totally see this teacher, though. But the high voice makes me think, OK, we've got this effeminate teacher on our hands. Yeah. Like, that's the only thing I can think of the high voice. Yeah. So is Goosebumps kind of subtly introduce some LGBT character or something? I don't know. <laughs> that's the only thing I can think of. Does Piccolo refer to something here? Is it phallic? Is that what it's about? (laughs) Anyway, so Mr. P, as Kate calls him, is seriously a nice guy with a very high tolerance for tweens. Yeah. I could never. So more power to him and to you, Robbie, for being the enthusiastic person that you are. Like, I just can't do it. I I was a substitute teacher for some 12-year-olds for like a few months back when I was 19. <laughs> I was like, no, can't do this. No, I don't want kids now. The gift, man. <laughs> gift. And I also was a I also was a camp counselor at one point. So there you go. Yeah. I just don't remember these some of these kids types, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, man. I am with seventh graders year round. Direct teen tours over the summer and I uh I teach, man, it's a lot, you know. 
Oof. It's a calling. More power. It, it to takes you. a special kind of person to actually For be sure, able to man. deal with Definitely. that. Cause I couldn't, I, I, you know, I've done it a few times and was just like, this is not for me, you know? Yeah, it's definitely, uh, it definitely, there's definitely a type, you know, like you, some people have it, some people, you know, it's just not for everybody for sure. But don't get me wrong. There are days when I want to freaking, you know, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> it's not okay. Careful, yeah. Be nice to your teachers, Careful kids. what you say, Mr. Goldstein. You might have some students listening. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So everyone arrives at the school auditorium for auditions. Yes, I refuse to say tryouts. Mm. Courtney has everyone's attention because she's the only one in makeup and a costume. I think this girl will end up being a whore. Courtney's <laughs> a try hard, 100%. She's totally like, she's going to, like I said, total casting count situation. That's totally her. She will do anything for a part. Kate says that, but I think Courtney really would. Yeah. So Kate gives Carol Ann a break the leg. Break the leg. What a <laughs> <laughs> break a leg carol ann <laughs> break somebody's legs no no let's just note here that carol ann's hair is described as coppery and curly mm-hmm. later on it's described as blonde really i didn't notice it's that. really strange yeah i didn't notice that yeah he's really amping up the redhead gene in this yeah town, apparently are we, are we taking place so in ireland Mr. all P of a sudden calls, yeah right <laughs> is this yeah um, is he Mr. Mick Piccolo? Um, <laughs> I don't know. So yeah, Mr. P calls everyone's attention. Apparently he snaps as he walks by and always has a rhythm going. Is music, I mean, I, I'm sure it's the music, but is there something else going on? I'm just imagining like <laughs> when on. you're a jet, you're a jet all the way, <laughs> you know, like snapping as he walks. Well, the only thing I can think of is when the first thing that I popped in my head because they were talking about the effeminate thing and, the, and I was like, maybe he's an LGBT character. I went to this Kathy Griffin special and she was talking about star Jones's husband from back when they got married. And she was like, I'm sorry, that man's gay. And she was saying that. And she was like, cause when he walked by, I heard snapping. Oh God, <laughs> <laughs> That's the first thing that popped in my head. So when he snaps, when he walks, I was like, yep, yep. <laughs> Mr. Piccolo loves the piccolos. <laughs> Anyway, so he decides to tell the, a ghost story before auditions start. Courtney, of course, tells Kate to cover her ears or she'll get scared because she's ghost girl. Mm-hmm. And everybody's laughing at her. And, of course, Kate playfully, quote, playfully shoves Courtney. I doubt it was playful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she says playful. I, I bet you there's some oomph behind that. She didn't mean it too playful. I really wanted Kate to smack her in the yeah. face to shut her up. But, you know. So Mr. P tells the story of Cliff. Now, do you want either one of you guys want to take this? But the story of Cliff is. Yeah, I'll take it. So I'm going to tell you what I have here. Hopefully, I have enough here. So this is I, this is the haunted auditorium story, right? And uh, so he goes on. So there was a sickly boy named Cliff who went to the school, and his dream was to be in a play. So Cliff won the starring role in the play, but he was too sick to make it through rehearsals. So the doctor said he shouldn't be in the play, but he fought with the doctors. He said. <clears throat> this was his biggest dream, and he wouldn't quit for any reason. So Cliff did the play to two standing ovations. There were, even, uh, there were two bows, but after the play, no one could find him. It turns out that Cliff had died the day before, mm-hmm. but he performed as a ghost. Uh, so yeah, so basically he was... Um, 
ghost actor. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. And we find out that he was actually a ghost. Turns out he died the day before, right? Mm-hmm. And then we have that scene, you know, I'll let you I'll let you take it doesn't but when we find out, right? With the mom, uh she Exactly. Well, the teacher's like, hey, where did the kid go after after the play? And she's like, oh, she doesn't really get to it. I'm so sorry he couldn't be in the play. He died yesterday. Oh, yeah, I'm like, right, you didn't right. call to tell anybody this before? Right. <laughs> right. I mean, that would probably be the last thing on their mind. My child is dying. I'm going to call the music teacher. <laughs> Granted, but somebody would have heard about the kids dying. You would think somebody would have heard something. I'm sure. Yeah. I just, I don't know. It just feels weird, but whatever. So, yeah, Mr. P explains that ever since they leave a seat in the balcony open for Cliff, saying sometimes people see him up there during the show. And this is when Kate looks up, almost hoping to see something. And she does. Mm -hmm. There's a boy's face in the balcony. (gasps) And it's some kid named Paco. (laughs) Poor Kate. This sparks Courtney to just start up with the ghost girl shit again. And seriously, I just want to slap her. Please slap her. Um. Side note, Jack won my heart by wishing Kate luck on her, quote, audition. Yes, he actually used the correct term, audition. Just got me. Yeah. Mr. P warns everyone that they, you know, they better not bump any of the controls on the stage and that they need to stay away from the trap door since it seems to open and close on its own. I'm like, hmm, that's going to be important. This makes, you know, he makes a dick move and then pokes fun at Kate. He says, maybe it's haunted, Kate. I'm like, why did you do that? Why did you have to turn to her and do that and then add fuel to the flame? You know what I mean? Like, for the kids? Like, you should have done that. I almost liked him. Anyway. He has Kate go down to his office for this clipboard he apparently left. And she's happy to do it since it means she can, you know, miss seeing Courtney's audition and she'd have to deal with her butt. Right. So she walks through the spooky dark school. And she's seeing figures and shadows and she has this wild imagination. She gets to Mr. P's dark office and grabs the clipboard. And then she noticed that Mr. P has a cast list on his desk already with Courtney's name next to the part that Kate wants to play. And I'm like, did this bastard already cast the thing? And it's only holding or auditions for a formality, which is that what he's doing? Which I've known plenty of, you know, like people who, precast their shows and it's it's usually very frowned upon because it's it's just kind of a crappy way to run your show but it's not uncommon so that would not oh i know i know that's true or you go to the same old same old for the lead roles and then you patter new people in the smaller roles i know it happened in my high school too it's not cool it's another reason why i don't like mr piccolo yeah so she turns to go back to the auditorium but the door is closed and she didn't close it. Mm-hmm. And she tries to open it, but it won't budge. Somebody locked her ass in there. Yeah. So she's in there for a while until Jack finally shows up looking for the clipboard. And he says that the bitch Courtney told everyone that she left because she wasn't feeling well. Right. And I'm like, oh, it's on now. <laughs> oh, it's on. Kate better get Courtney back for this brazen act of sabotage. Like, oh, well, what I can't believe. Is so Jack tells literally her literally forgot that he sent Kate to get his clipboard. Like, hey, where did she go? Yeah. Oh, she left. It's like you forgot that, like you're missing your obviously very important clipboard and you tell Tate or Kate to go get it. And then you forget and then you buy the story that, you know, the, the class cunt says you know about like oh she's she got sick it's like wouldn't she have told the teacher that she was feeling sick it's just 
this teacher's very detached from his students, so it, it drove me nuts a little bit. I just love how Courtney is just the class cunt. She, we just keep calling her cunt. No, that's what she is. <laughs> and she only gets she worse. See you next Tuesday. She only gets worse. She only does. <laughs> oh God. Ooh. Anyway, okay. So Kay, Jack tells her that the audition for the sister role she wanted, Livy, is over, and she missed her chance. That's when Kate starts to see red, literally. Mm -hmm. She does what I would do. She hauls her ass back to the auditorium and goes immediately up to the stage to Courtney, directly to her. She confronts her, and Courtney's like, denies it right out. Smug little terror right there. So Kate, understandably, attacks Courtney. Mm -hmm. <laughs> she just pounces, yep. shoves her down, starts pulling her hair, rolling around on the ground, scuffling. I'm like, here it comes. Here it comes. And then they roll right over that trap door. And that's when we hear, Robbie. That's when we hear. Oh, is that the no? Yeah. That the no. <laughs> no. Yeah. I noted it here. The new, I just the don't new, understand why the, they were having auditions on a stage with a faulty trap door in the first place. Like, that's just asking for an angry PTA. There's a lot of questionable decisions made by Mr. P yeah. in this book. Oh, yeah. And it just makes me mad. Yeah. So they fall all the way down to the to the basement and they're in this dark basement and they're trying to catch their breath. And Courtney gets mad at Kate as if it's all her fault that Courtney shouldn't have screwed her over. But whatever. So Kate just, you know, she leaves Kate alone in the dark and Kate tries to make her way through the basement until she sees Paco mm -hmm. and she approaches him. But then she notices he's floating. OK, this is strange. So apparently he's he really is a ghost. I'm really confused mm -hmm. at this. point. Yeah. And so he grabs Kate's hand to force her to follow him and he drags her to a room full of a bunch of other ghosts. And she doesn't understand how Paco can be dead all of a sudden. Me either, girl. Me either. The ghosts are angry because she saw them in the graveyard and disturbed mm -hmm. them. So now they're chanting, sing, sing, sing. They want her to sing the 12 screams of Christmas yeah, song, was, which I didn't realize until now that this is foreshadowing. It was at this point that I realized that this was an unconscious dream. Because I was like, what is yes. going on here? This is a little bit too odd for it to be anything other than a she's dreaming situation. So definitely, even though she says she can smell their decaying bodies and, and they're coming closer. Also where closer. I, yeah. I made a note that are these ghosts or zombies? Because not only can they affect and interact with the physical realm, but they also smell and appear like they're rotting. So it's like they're, they're just very yes. zombie-esque ghosts. You know, like they, are they just invisible zombies except to her? Yeah, yeah, like they float and they're invisible to everybody but her, but their bodies are still decomposing and they smell and they can affect the physical realm. So it's like they're they're like zombie ghosts. Yes, I, I agree with that. I agree with that assessment. Are either you guys freaked out by the chanting? It's really it weird. Very to odd. Like, sing, 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 sing. Sure. Yeah. But like, it just freaks me it out. It was very uncomfortable. And it's like anytime that like, Stein uses weird chanting in his books. It always kind of creeps me out. Weird, man. Very culty. Well, I mean, I brought it up, I think, in the last, like, the Haunted Mask episode. But, like, there was a, there was mm -hmm. a Goosebump book called The Haunted School. It was one of my favorites of all time. And they definitely had a kind of Lord of the Flies-like cult in that book. 
and they were make like weirdly chanting some like you know nonsense words and it was creepy like even going back and reading it as an adult it's like this is unnerving this is totally a an adult story that's been dumbed down yeah for kids. a little bit <laughs> a little bit yeah so yeah it is all a dream she tries to sing but you can't and, you know it's a t- typical dream thing they're like i can't my voice is gone and then you know they're coming at her and she wakes mm-hmm. up so she's fine She's she got knocked out when they fell and Mr. P came down to the basement to help them. Everyone leaves, but he holds Courtney and her and Kate back and scolds them for fighting. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you egged it on kind practically. Of a bit. Like, yeah. You know, he also tells them that they, you know, they're going to be in the chorus. They're not going to get that part. They're not going to audition for it. They're not going to get it no matter what. They're going to be in the chorus. Which, to be fair. And he's going to give that part to Carol Ann. To be fair, I think Carol Ann deserved it more than them because, like, Courtney definitely didn't deserve it. And Kate is honestly kind of spiraling mentally and probably wouldn't have been able to deal with the stress of having a lead role in the first place. So I feel like giving it to Carol Ann was probably the best option that you could have picked. She's the least dramatic. I mean, I mean, not good for the stage, but I'm talking about she causes the least drama <laughs> off stage. She totally deserves a shot. Yeah. <laughs> so they go back upstairs where Kurt, Courtney really hams up her injuries trying to get Jack to like feel sorry mm-hmm. for her. And it just pisses Kate off more. And, you know, Kate's disappointed, but she's coming to grips with being in the chorus. She's more concerned with ridding herself of this ghost girl moniker. Right. Like she just wants that out of her life, which I don't blame her. I, I mean, I don't blame her, but at the same point. It's like she really wants to get rid of that ghost girl moniker, but she still really wants to call out the fact that she sees ghosts all the time. So it's like, how badly do you want to get rid of this moniker? If you really wanted to get rid of it, you would just never mention ghosts ever again, whether you saw them or not. You know, so she doesn't really. I don't really have a lot of sympathy for Kate. I really don't. And it it just gets worse throughout the book because it's like she's like, oh, they pick on me for seeing ghosts. And it's like. So stop drawing attention to the fact that you see ghosts. You know, it's like until you have some solid evidence to show them, shut up. (laughs) Finally, we're in part two, the second part for 12 screams. We finally get some answers. Finally. Okay. So Mr. Piccolo somehow gets permission to take the rest of, to take the whole cast of this play Mm -hmm to the next town over for a full weekend to a house located on Ardmore road that sits directly across from a cemetery. Sound familiar? I guess the graveyard she walked through earlier was just, you know, wasn't the same one from zombie Halloween, obviously, nor was it the same black cat. I don't think it was the same black cat unless it just happens to be flying around between, you know, towns. I'm just really surprised that this small town schools drama department had enough money for a field trip to, a dilapidated rundown house that's dangerous and falling apart. And yeah. And like I said, it's last minute. It was three yeah. days later. Not to mention. So like, he got permission from the parents and money. And not only that, but the, and he's, he's the only chaperone. Yeah. I was, was going to say the biggest thing for me is that he's one teacher. Yeah. That was, that was something I mentioned like later on in my notes was that he was the only adult chaperone, you know, for like probably a, a group of like 30 kids, the only adult chaperone. Yeah, that's problematic. The whole thing just... Yeah, this town is really weird. Yeah. Because, like, in Zombie Halloween, they're like, hey, zombies are coming up out of the graveyard. They're showing in the news, and no one's really reacting. <laughs> it's like It's just kind of like, oh, okay, there's zombies out and about. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> it's really strange. Very strange community we got going on here. 
So I find this field trip unnecessary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't think you need to rehearse in a haunted no. house to feel like you're not. I don't get it, but it's called make believe people. Something's got to be up with Mr. Piccolo. There's just got something he wants. He says it's to rehearse in this scary atmosphere or whatever, but it just feels like a setup. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it does. Also, this was at the point where Mr. P quotes Dante Inferno to a group of sixth graders. (laughs) That's right. You know, he says, you know, abandon all hope ye who enter here. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure that reference flew over everybody's head. That wasn't you. Or scared the shit out of them. Either way. Like, (laughs) he's like, um, okay. Scary teacher. So this bus ride there is all bumpered and bumpy and awkward. And there's a character that we're introduced and and Kate's take on him is so funny to me. This is what she says. Another redhead. She calls him, quote, a big redheaded dude named Sean O'Hara pretended to fall into the aisle. Sean is a real clown. He's always falling off his chair or walking into walls. He once told Mrs. Wentz that when he grows up, he wants to be a cartoon character. I think he was serious. (laughs) I bet you he was. But another freaking redhead. Like, how many redheads are in this town? And this one actually is Irish. It's in the water. The last name O'Hara. So he at least passes, I guess. <laughs> That's why I said, oh my God, I wrote this. I said, again, another redhead. Seriously, are these towns located near Ireland? Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. I know Stein's wife is a redhead, and that's why he does this for the most part. Um, that he, you know, I'm like, but hold off a little. Yeah. Come on, Bob. Yeah. <laughs> Just hold a off little a little. Bit of- Not everybody can be your wife. <laughs> Courtney blatantly flirts with Jack in front of Kate and making sure that Kate notices, of course. So Kate is vowing to just ignore her all weekend. I'm like, good plan, girl. I don't, you know, try it. Don't let the haters bring you down. Did you pick up on how she was flirting with him? Because that made no sense to me. So you ready for this? She, uh, She pretended to slap him and then tickled him and shoved him towards the window. That was her flirting with him. Yeah, that's how kids flirt. Maybe I'm not seeing this correctly. Just to get, just so we're clear, she pretended to slap him. Pretended to. So she didn't actually slap him. Like, I don't understand that. That to me is like not. A f- oh, you, you know that kind of thing. Oh, gotcha. I'm thinking that's what it was. Like that kind of gentle, like oh, you know that kind of yeah, yeah. pretend that's to slap. Interesting. See, I didn't see it that way. Sometimes you need a visual. I think I did. Thank you. <laughs> Dustin can definitely read and Dustin can definitely give good visuals. Thank you. <laughs> Dustin can visualize. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so she's, she wants to ignore her. I'm like, yeah, do it. Go for it. Meanwhile, Carol Ann and Paco have a debate about Pop-Tarts. <laughs> do any of you guys want to talk about this argument they had about Pop-Tarts? I mean, I, I will fully admit that I'm part of the, you know, untoasted Pop-Tart gang. Um, they're, they're just a favorite snack of mine when I want something and I don't want to put a lot of effort into it, especially for like breakfast time. I will just like eat a package of untoasted, uh, pop tarts, which my mom always referred to as naked pop tarts. So, um, I, I love my naked pop tarts, you know, they're great toasted, but it's just too much effort. And most of the time I'm running late for breakfast. I'm not going to sit. It's an on the go. Yeah. And it's like, I'm not a morning person. I'm not going to have time to sit down and eat a bowl of cereal or actually cook myself a nice breakfast. So I'm going to grab pop tarts or a granola bar on the way out the door and eat them as I'm walking to where I need to go. So brown sugar, cinnamon, pop tarts, untoasted are literally God's gift to this planet. I'm not even joking. I love them so much. Untoasted. See, I'm one of those freaks that really likes the unfrosted pop tarts. 
like I like unfrosted strawberry pop tarts are my jam. I love okay. them so I'm much, and I know that literally with jam. I know them. that's heretical. You know, I know that that's going to get me a lot of hate because it always has. You know, like I just I don't like the frosted ones. They are a little bit too sugary in the morning. And no frosting. I respect the move, man. Yeah, <laughs> I can do either or. I don't care. It's a did you know brown sugar cinnamon I, came in an unfrosted form? I didn't. It does. I wouldn't eat them. I mean, I would eat them, but like I prefer the the frosted. There are only three types of unfrosted pop tarts. There's strawberry, blueberry, hey, wait, and brown stop for a second. cinnamon. I am so impressed with your pop tart knowledge right now. He just busts out. <laughs> I'm really impressed and a little concerned. I, I like pop tarts. I like pop tarts a lot, but there are only three types of unfrosted, and it's strawberry, blueberry, and brown sugar cinnamon. That's amazing. I'm so impressed. So, Sammy. Well, I will say I don't know if you like pumpkin pie. Oh. But the pumpkin pie pop tarts are freaking awesome. Those were really good. I did like those. I wish they had an unfrosted. And they're really good toasted. You should definitely toast I did, those. But, but those really. I wish toasted. they had an unfrosted version of the pumpkin pie ones because those would taste more like a pumpkin turnover or a pumpkin pasty. And I would like it a little bit more. Oh, you said pasty. Yeah. I would have said pasty. No, they're, they're, it's a, it's, <laughs> it, they're called pasties. They're not called pasties. I know what pasties yeah. are, but <laughs> but I would have said pasty, even though I've never actually said the word. That's why I've read it. So I've always in my head, it's always been pasty. Anyway. <laughs> you guys want a pasty? What? <laughs> okay. Sorry. I completely Ooh, forgot right. where we were. Oh, yeah. Pop-Tarts. Now I know where we're at. Okay. So they arrive at the house. Mm-hmm. And the graveyard is huge, and it makes Kate nervous because, I mean, hello, dead right. people across the street. She don't want to see ghosts. However, she's determined to press on, even though Courtney teases her, can you see any ghost get ghost girl? I'm like, ooh, I want Kate to just turn around and say, no, but I see a stinky-ass bitch that needs to mind her business unless she wants to get cut. <laughs> That's what I would have said <laughs> if I were Kate. Something simple like that, you know. But Kate's more mature than I am in this sense. <laughs> They step off the bus and it suddenly goes dark, like the sun hides behind the clouds. And that's not a bad omen or anything. No, not at all. Redheaded Sean even asks Mr. P, how did he do that? Like, and Mr. P just goes, oh, it's special effects. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Ugh. He says he's gotten everyone's rooms ready and he built a fire to warm the house up because it's cold. I'm like, what? So they head upstairs and Mr. P tells them, hey, the steps are rotted and they need to hold the banister. So they point out that the banister is loose, and he's like, "Well, I mean, the house has just gotten worse." I'm like, "You, this is this a is death literally trap. <laughs> a dangerous house that's rotting and falling apart, and we're just gonna let kids stay here for the weekend." You didn't go check on it beforehand. He literally says, "This house is more dangerous than I remember." Yeah. So you remember that it was a very dangerous house, and now it's even more dangerous than you remember, and you're gonna stay there. Is what you're saying. And they're like, you've stayed here before? And he won't even answer them. It's really weird. Oh, yeah. Like, and it was at this point this where teacher? I was like, I, I wrote a note. I said, I'm calling it now. 12, 12 Screams of Christmas is based on Mr. P's real life story. And this house is the one from the story. And he's trying to trap the kids there to free his family from all the ghosts or something. That was that was my note that I wrote while I was reading it. And I wasn't too far off. I thought the same thing. <laughs> yeah, I, wrote- I was like, this has got to be a whole thing. That's all big convoluted thing to get somebody there and i'm thinking he knows kate sees ghosts and he wants her to help and you know that's the only thing i yep. think of that's what i went with anyway whew. so the damn teacher assigned courtney kate and carol carol ann to a room together like what Let's the hell assign is this about? these two girls who i know hate each other to a room together despite the fact that i've told them they need to get along it's like 
I would assign them in the furthest rooms away from each other as I could in order to keep my own sanity. Yeah, you don't like you just for your it. own peace of mind as the teacher. Let's put the kids who are fighting as far away from each other as possible, so I don't have to deal with that crap. I agree, Robbie. Do you concur? I concur, man. I think that's <laughs> a very smart idea. You got one chaperone. You got enemies. What, what are you thinking, man? You put them in the same room. Yeah. You know, I'm not. I'm not on board with that. No. No. Also, good. something that was like, like never addressed. And this is kind of off topic, but something that was never addressed is who's feeding all these kids. Is is Mr. P like cooking for all of these kids in this rundown, dilapidated house? You know, does the kitchen even? Are they ordering pizzas? Yeah. I mean, like it, what? It, I just I don't know where there there's any logic in this field trip. You know, did the kids pack enough food for like a weekend trip? Did Mr. Piccolo bring food to make for the kids? Is there food in the pantries in this abandoned house? I want to know how, exactly how big this cast is. Yeah, that is well. I kind of want to know. I mean, there's only four kids uh, in the that, choir. Tell me how big the house is. They they do tell you there's only four kids in the chorus. So that must mean it's a relatively small cast for the chorus section, like the kick line to only yeah. be four people. So I'm maybe, and we know the family is like, I think five people in his story, five or six. Um, so, so probably like 10. I'm thinking maybe 10 to 12 students, but still, yeah, which is still a lot for one yeah, adult to handle. Likely. Well, before they start rehearsing, Mr. P encourages them all to explore the grounds. So Kate and Carol Ann go into the backyard. And Carol Ann opens up the shed door and a dozen mice come running mm-hmm. out. She screams, which is an appropriate response to the, despite the fact that Kate laughs at her like it was nothing. I mean, I don't get it. There's a whole bunch of mice. I'm going to be like, oh, shit. <laughs> and jumping back and getting, you know, freaking out. And she's like, oh, just mice. I'm like, if there's a whole bunch of mice coming at you, one or two, I mean, I'll still kind of go, oh, you know, but yeah, a whole bunch. No, I'm not Willard. I'm not going to, I'm not going to be able to handle this situation. <laughs> So suddenly Kate feels herself being, quote, pulled to the old well, Mm -hmm. which is crumbling apart. She doesn't know why, but she just keeps getting closer and closer. She ends up peering over the side to see in, and she nearly falls in when the sides start to crumble on her. Carol Ann saw everything and seems, you know, oh, my God. And she thought that Kate fell. But, you know, Kate is a gymnastics girl, and she grabbed a banister and did her little flip a flip and. Yeah, <laughs> landed up, you know, back into one of these gymnastics things. ex machina right here. Yep. Oh, there's another ex machina. Mm-hmm. There you go. There's always <laughs> one. There's always one. Kate sees Courtney watching her from a distance. And just as Mr. P comes out and calls into everyone like, hey, come on in here. And like he then goes, oh, by the way, stay away from the old well. I'm like, nice afterthought. <laughs> nice afterthought, teach. Yeah. <laughs> by the way, I uh, saw you almost die. Don't go into that again. <laughs> Yeah. So once inside, Mr. P tells them the story of the house, how Ned and Abe saw their sister Flora fall into the well. And apparently she screamed, get me out 12 times before going silent and disappearing into the well water. Mm -hmm. He says their ghosts supposedly haunt the house at Christmas time, looking for someone to reunite them with Flora so they can spend Christmas together. How this is known. (laughs) That's like they know this because no one can see the ghosts. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Unless someone has spoken to them at some point again before. Maybe a medium came to the house. I don't know. I just I think that's funny how they know the story, but no one's ever seen these ghosts. I don't. Anyway, what I don't understand is did the family immediately die because they didn't. We we find out really soon here that like Abe and Ned are still children. 
So it's like, did the family just like keel over and die as soon as Flora died? And then they just continued on their lives as it was, or did they continue and have like normal lives after Flora died? Cause Ed, even Ned were like what 12. So it's like, what happened to trap them in this point in time as go in that state, you know, it just, doesn't make sense or do they revert back to their old self to reunite with their daughter once they did pass Just, there's or no explanation weird. i don't know it never really explains it, there's that. no explanation and it really doesn't make sense how you know abe and ned are still 12 years old for eternity as ghosts like it just it really makes me wonder did they live on for another like 80 90 years and then die naturally and then revert to being 12 year old as ghosts because that sounds like literally hell or now we're 12 again. <laughs> or did the family all just keel over and die right after Flora because they were so depressed? Maybe they all stayed outside. It was winter. So here's my proposal. It was winter time. They were trying to get the girl up and they couldn't get her up and they all stayed out there and they froze to death. I don't know. It just it really makes zero sense. Maybe. And I didn't even think about that until like lot right lot now, you know, like just what happened to this family. It's really strange. So, so Mr. Piccolo says that they were his ancestors, his great, 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 great grandparents or so whatever. So see, then clearly like, they did how, con- if they didn't have see, any. Then, then clearly they did go on to live normal lives and have families and children. And then just when they, must have when they died, they reverted back in time to 1882 and had to spend the rest of their eternity as eternal 12-year-olds. Yeah. It's just weird. So, yeah. The weird thing, I mean, I think it's weird that he wrote this whole play to, to honor them. Yeah. And he, but he wanted to give them a happy ending. So he like, quote, figured out a way to free Flora from the well. And because he says he doesn't believe in ghosts. I'm like, then why are you doing this? <laughs> what is all this about? I'm not sure about this guy. There's something up with this guy. I don't get yeah, it. Yeah. So Courtney takes another ghost girl jibe at Kate, but Kate snaps, shut up. Which actually, I'm like, thank you. Finally. Yeah. <laughs> Finally. Tell her to shut up. And that shuts her up. Mr. P continues, I hope you will not all be disappointed, but you won't see any ghosts here this weekend. I wouldn't bring you to a dangerous haunted house just to get you in the right mood to to perform in my play, would I? You just take Mm -hmm. me to a dangerous house. Um, (laughs) Earlier, you just said the stairs could fall apart on them, and you didn't warn anybody about the well. So I'm thinking, yes, you definitely bring them to a dangerous house (laughs) to rehearse a stupid play. Like I said, he would definitely bring them to a dangerous house, maybe not dangerous haunted, you know, because he doesn't believe in ghosts, but... Definitely doesn't have any qualms bringing them to a dangerous house. It could be haunted after they're done. <laughs> so this teacher wants a bunch of 12-year-olds to memorize all their lines and songs within a couple of days. Yeah. In you know, I mean, in high school, we got a couple of weeks before we were even off book. Yeah. This is on par with paid actors to learn new scripts for like TV series mm-hmm. and stuff like that every week. But, you know... You need to start incentivizing the kids with cash if they're going to do this. Yeah, are they opinion. union actors that we're, you know, just unaware of? I mean, you know, Courtney's very serious <laughs> about being an actress, so maybe they're union. Maybe she did. Maybe she went and joined um, Actors' Equity or some shit. I don't know. <laughs> um, so then he has them all sing the main song, The Twelve Screams mm-hmm. of Christmas. I want to. He only gets through the first four days right. in the book, which kind of irks me. I'm like, I want to get the whole book, the whole. Oh, song. I'm really glad he didn't give so, us more than four. I wanted to read them all because I thought they were. I thought it was clever how he wrote mm-hmm. it. Um, and it's the first day of Christmas. He says, "On the first day of Christmas, my true love screamed. I see a buzzard in a bear bear tree." The second day of Christmas, 
it's two haunted houses and a buzzard and a bear tree. Third day, three ghostly spirits, two haunted houses and a buzzard and a bear tree. Fourth day, four devil bats, three ghostly spirits, two haunted houses and a buzzard and a bear tree. I just thought, you know, he needs to finish this damn song. If you're going to start writing the song, you don't end it right in the middle of it. You at least give us the whole the whole list of all of them by the end of the book. I mean, because he kind of split them up through this chapter. And then I was like, oh, what are we going to get in the rest? Where are the right. rest? But I mean, I feel me. like, does anybody actually like the song 12 Days of Christmas? I actually do. Oh, okay. I really I've do. Never There's met, actually a version of it. I've I never really actually like. met somebody who liked the 12 Days of Christmas. So, well, I also think it's, I think it's funny how a lot of people don't know what the 12 Days of Christmas are. Right. Because people always think it's leading up till Christmas, and that's no, not how it is. It's, it's actually, actually it starts, starts on Christmas, on Christmas and goes until like January fifth or sixth or something like that. Yes, the Epiphany. Yeah, but um, no, I just, I just don't. When the when the wise men arrived or whatever, yeah. I just, I just don't like it because it's a really long, drawn out, and repetitive song that doesn't have any well, business like being a as long. Nine as bottle, ninety nine bottle. Oh yeah, I don't like that either. Thing. But you know. It's just it doesn't have any business being that long, drawn out and obnoxious. So I'm not a big fan of 12 Days of Christmas. But I, I've already told you, I'm not a well, big I'm fan. Like, of Christmas, there's a good so. version of it. There's a very good version of it. It's called by a band named Reliant. Oh, yeah, K. I've, I've seen Reliant. And K. each time they go through it, they do it differently, mm-hmm. which I liked because it keeps it interesting. Yep. So they sing the 12 screams of Christmas. Mm-hmm. And Mr. Piccolo keeps yelling at them to sound, quote, crisp. Sound crisp, crisper, crisper. That crisp the whole time. Oh my god! I mean, as a former tween, I can tell you right now, these kids probably don't have any under uh, no idea what he means. By no, this. but I mean that is a very common thing for a music teacher to say. I've heard that more times than I can count throughout my life. Um, and yeah, saying you know I need it crisp, I need it you know very crisp and tight, and it's like, what are you saying? You know, so that that is absolutely on point and very accurate for how a music and theater teacher and director would act and behave. I no doubt think that, but I'm telling you right now, as a kid, I can tell you right now, if he said that to me, I'd be like, I what still don't you understand it. You know, it still doesn't really make it's, sense. I think it means enunciating. Suppose, like, just say that. <laughs> I know. I'm just like, I think you need to explain what enunciation means to these kids. And that's, that's what you mean guy. Cause I think that's what you mm-hmm. mean where you make sure your vowels and your consonants are all heard. Right. <laughs> crisply anyway you know they just don't get it so so courtney um tries to drown out kate and everyone else by practically screaming her lyrics i mean can the teacher not see how arrogant this little girl is it's she's messing up everybody and that's when kate looks up and sees the two dark-haired twin boys on the stairs just watching them Mm -hmm. and she knows this house is definitely haunted now so thinking ahead she doesn't say anything Finally, Mm -hmm. to avoid ridicule, Mm -hmm. no one would believe her anyway. She decides to go approach them. And as she gets closer, she sees their decayed skin and their stained, torn clothes. And she just walks up and says, hey, (laughs) that's it. Hey. And they don't respond. They just like stare daggers at her before they just kind of turn away to leave. And they say, we'll be back, Flora. And I'm like, um, what? And she's like, no, 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 no. I'm not Flora. I'm Kate. We'll be back, Flora. And they just leave. (laughs) She's like, what the hell is that about? Like, that's uh, not a good thing. So that night after dinner, the girls retire to their room where Carol Ann falls asleep learning her lines. And we also learned that Mr. P added this Livy character in, like, because it's only 
they, like you said before, they he expanded the mm-hmm. family because he wanted more roles for the right. kids. So that Livy character is just a new character. It's not, you know, but there is a Flora character in the, the story, mm-hmm. apparently. So in the middle of the night, Kate is the only one left awake. She can't sleep in a haunted house. I mean, no ghost has attacked her yet. I think she should, you know, calm down, but she's fine. Go to bed. Well, like I said, Kate seems to have very severe anxiety. Like, despite the ghost thing, she's definitely a very on edge child who probably needs some anti-anxiety. I'm surprised she doesn't have an ulcer. I'm surprised she's not on medication. Exactly. Or therapy. Or therapy. So she looks out the window to the old well and feels that urge to go down there again. She doesn't know why, but she goes ahead and puts on her slippers and whatnot. And she just like, you know, she hears a, a very clear whisper. Help me. Help me. Please help me. She's like, oh, my God. So she goes down. She gets out of bed to go investigate. And she ends up outside in the cold, dark night, you know, making her way to the well. And she's hearing more of this voice saying, help me, help me. And at first she thinks that maybe Courtney followed her out and is messing with her, which I wouldn't I would put, not it put it past her one bit. But she, you know, she's alone. She looks around. No one's there. She starts to pull it, be pulled toward the well again. And this time she's aware that she's not actually walking. Something is making her go to the well. Like someone is pushing her or pulling her and she doesn't know why. So she ends up at the side of the well again, peering deep down into it. And at first she doesn't see anything, but then she looks closer and she sees a flash of red. You're like, oh crap, that's Flora's mm-hmm. cap. And she just freaks and. Oh, God, it freaks me out. Anyway, and just as like hands grab her by the arms and it's Abe and Ned, the ghost twins. (gasps) But they keep calling her Flora. Yeah. And she's like, they're like, you have to come home for Christmas, Flora. And they're trying to pull her into the house. And she's like, you know, stop. She's trying to fight him off, but she can't. She keeps saying, I'm not. I'm Kate. I'm not Flora. But they won't listen to her. She finally is like, I'm not Kate. I mean, I'm not Flora. I'm Kate. I'm not Flora. I'm Kate. And they finally stop and they go. We know you're not Flora. And I'm like, ooh, <laughs> ooh, this is creepy. Right now, I was thinking, you know, I, I didn't think they were so evil. You know, I was thinking that maybe there was some good to them. You know, I feel like they're just looking for their sister. You know, maybe they were confused. Maybe they're confused, whatever the case might be. You know, we'll talk about the ending later, but uh, they're not so friendly. And I thought they might. No. I was thinking at this point, maybe they'd be like, friendly they're just looking for their sister and you know it would be kind of like a happier goosebumps villain kind of situation but uh they surprised me they they are not pleasant ghosts yeah no. no they're not they're like yeah. we know you're not our dead sister but since our family's broken um sorry but uh we need you've to, you've you been know, recruited you you've us. been recruited right. into this family and it's, it's not happy chanting it's evil chanting yeah, yeah. it's definitely exactly like yeah like cult evil chanting they're like, you know, come with us and be Flora for Christmas forever. And she's like, what? Wait, what? <laughs> she's like, I don't, I think I know. You guys, you kids plan to kill my ass. <laughs> now you'll live with us, Flora. Yeah. And you're like, no, 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 Very no. I'm not dying for I'm you. I'm going to pass. Thank you. Appreciate the offer. But that is crazy. <laughs> I'm like, they've gone crazy. These coasts have gone crazy. And you know what, though? Now that we've gone into that whole timeline thing of whether or not they grew up and reverted back to their childhood mm-hmm. selves, they must have like their adult brain still going on where they're just like sinister and bitter. And that's what happened. it must be. That's got to be it. I'm just going to blame that. Yeah, maybe. Uh, so she Christmas time is to enjoy each other, to celebrate each other. And you're going to be one of us. You know, that freaked me out, man. I got to tell yeah. you. I don't like out. that. 
So she pulls a quick gymnastics maneuver, maneuver and backflips free from their grip. But they're like, they pop up next to her again. And they're like, no, no, no. <laughs> they're like, we're going to kill you. We're going to kill you. You're going to be a new Flora. But luckily, Mr. P shows up. And of course, he doesn't see them. But they disappear into the night. She's resolved. She goes back to bed. And the next morning, they're rehearsing act two. Kate looks like hell. Right. Yeah. <laughs> she didn't sleep but a few hours. She had to borrow a blue, red, and cap from Carol Ann for her hair. And I went, oh, red and red and blue cap. I was like, the red in there. I was like, oh, they're going to think that she, no, I just started speculating too much. <laughs> I was like, oh, 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 getting excited. And Courtney is packing on the ghost girl crap again. And Courtney's just, you know, and Kate's just going through the more motions at this point. So Mr. Piccolo, if he doesn't stop telling these kids to be crisper. Right. <laughs> It needs to be crisper. I'm just going to jump into this book and choke his ass. Like, it's, <laughs> I can't do it. Mm. Obviously, these kids don't understand what he needs. So Kate looks up and sees the ghost twins again on the stairs. And this time she doesn't hold back and just starts yelling. There they are. There they are. I'm like, oh, no, Kate, you did so well earlier. Right. So everyone stops. And Kate dives into hysterics, like claiming there's ghost twins. They're looking for Flora. And of course, Courtney eggs it on and everyone laughs at Kate. Even Jack, even Jack, her friend starts laughing at her. And I was just like, oh, you asshat. Why did you do that to her? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Once and, again, though, I just I don't really feel much sympathy for Kate because it's like she she knows from her experience that nobody can see these ghosts except her. You know, like, I mean, this has been going on for well over a year at this point. She knows that she's the only one that can see them. She lacks any sort of self-control. You know, she's like, oh, I hate that people laugh at me. I hate that people make fun of me for seeing ghosts. But you don't do anything to kind of mitigate that. You don't you don't really try to protect yourself at all. Like, I know this is probably bordering on victim blaming. But at the same point, it's like she has zero self-control. You know, it's like how yeah, you really must not hate it that much because you're not really trying to stop people from making fun of you. That's true. But also, like I said, she needs to be in therapy. I mean, and I'm yeah. thinking a therapist would probably give her this skill or at least tell, clue her into this. And because no one has, obviously, you know. So even Mr. Piccolo like gets in a little chuckle at her expense and she notices this. I'm like, and this just like spurs. She just bolts from the room, just mortified. Why does she do that? But, you know, and then she ends up running into a bookshelf and knocking herself mm -hmm. out. I'm like, well, Okay. And she comes to, and she can still have everyone laughing at her expense. And then the way that this ended, how she ran into the bookshelf, and the next chapter she wakes up, I'm like, is she dead? Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I wrote down a note. Like, I was like, I seriously think she might be dead. You know, because this is like the second time in this book that she's knocked herself unconscious from her own reckless behavior. So I would not be surprised right. if she was dead or at least concussed. So... <laughs> or, or this next part is dreaming. Yeah. Like, I didn't yeah. know, you know, because like she did before, so... It was really strange. So she comes to and everyone's still laughing at her at her expense in the other room. And she decides she can't rejoin them just yet. And she decides she's going to go back to her room and just regroup, mm -hmm. as she puts it. Well, it's just actually it a smart thing smart, to do, yeah. like for her. That's probably one of the smartest things she's done mm -hmm. so far. She resounds herself to being called Ghost Girl now. Maybe she can use her powers for good. Yep. I mean, I'd use my powers to convince the twins to take Courtney, but that's just me. You know? <laughs> Like, I know a girl you might like. So she's almost to her room and she hears a man and a woman talking and it's coming from the attic. Even though she tells herself not to, she heads up to the attic to investigate further. So she enters it 
upstairs and she finds Ned and Abe and their parents gathered around a fire. There's an old fashioned Christmas tree in the corner of like candles burning mm-hmm. on it and everything. And the boys are playing games on the floor. The parents look up and see Kate, of course, calling her Flora. They are so excited to have their daughter back for Christmas. But Kate keeps trying to tell her, I am not Flora. She even turns to the boys and says, you know, I'm not Flora. Yeah. And they just ignore her. So then the father says he's going to, quote, carve the turkey. Carve the bird. But he's got this like. He, he specifically. Oh, did he say the turkey He the says bird? the bird. He goes, time to carve the bird. I, I literally made a note of it because I was like, I know that this is supposed to be ominous, but it's just not doing anything for me. But yeah, he goes, time to carve <laughs> the bird. And I'm like, mm, OK. He's got the sinister look on his face I mean, he's not taking his eyes off Kate. So, yeah, that's what's kind of creepy. And she turns to leave, but the door is gone. Like the door just disappeared. <laughs> like what? So these are magical ghosts. too. Yeah. Well, it was at that point and, that I um, thought maybe that she was dead because, you know, like this, all this stuff is happening maybe in the afterlife. And that's why the, the door is gone, you know, because they also mentioned, oh, she saw a light up in the attic and she headed towards the light. And I was like, she's definitely dead, you know, and yeah, she's got to be dead. Something's going on with her. Like, or like, you know, She's in some kind of alternate reality or, yeah, or she's, she's in some dreaming. time travel thing. Or yeah, exactly. So, yeah, the doors disappeared. She's trapped. The father's heading at her with a knife. And so the mother stops him and says they have to sing their Christmas carols mm-hmm. first. She wants to know what what's Flora's favorite carol. But case, and you know, I'm not Flora. Can I leave? <laughs> Please can I just get the hell out of here. And the father, Aaron apparently basically acknowledges that she's Kate because she's talking about her classmates and Mr. Piccolo will be looking for her. And when she's like, no, they won't. Yeah. I'm like, Whoa. Okay. And so Kate has a sudden idea. Maybe when she ran into the bookcase downstairs, she knocked herself out and this is all a dream. Mm -hmm. Like we were saying. So now all she has to do is wake herself up. But as much as she tries, she realizes this isn't a dream. I'm like, girl, you got a Kool-Aid man and bust out yourself out of this. <laughs> Eat the hell out of this. Just bust through that wall if you can. Peg, the ghost mom, wants her to sing a carol. And the boys request one of the new Christmas carols that, that were they were singing downstairs. Mm-hmm. So Kate starts to sing, have a haunted, haunted Christmas. <laughs> and this really upsets the parents. The father's like, why would you make fun of us this way? Apparently, songs about ghosts are offensive. I just to don't ghosts, know so. why, like Kate thought it was a good idea to sing a song from the Christmas play that they're putting on. Like, well, they requested they? it. They okay. requested one of the songs they were singing. Okay, I, I didn't remember that part. The kids were like, "We want one of the new songs." So you know, after drying her melodramatic tears, mm-hmm. Peg Ma decides they you know why don't we just go ahead and skip the carols and just sit on father christmas's lap before just, just before dinner yeah this, this was, is weird. this was extremely morose this was like straight up like texas chainsaw massacre mm-hmm. like, what family, i want to like, know family this freaked me out yeah so like basically sh- they they pull out this rotting corpse in a santa suit right. and force her to sit in it and it's where did they get this corpse though that's what i want to know like where'd they get the Santa? Where'd they get any of this stuff? You know, but it's like, yeah. So they, they pull this like rotting, like literally decomposing worms still in it. Corpse in a Santa suit in like a throne out from the closet and try to force Kate to sit on its lap. 
They're like shoving her into this yeah. thing. Go ahead. She's like, oh my God. Sit on his lap and tell him what you want. Tell him your Christmas wishes. I mean, that's messed up. It's extremely is, mor- yes. like morose and gross and weird. It's just, I don't know where they were going with this, but this is. That's what I was trying to say before. Like this, this book was freaky. Well, you know, if it, I was a kid. It, it, it know, kind of I, is in line with the fact that like this whole most wanted series is definitely a little bit more like. It, it's just it's not afraid it doesn't shy away from the macabre like classic goosebumps does like i mean haunted mask the guy literally rips his face off and it's telling you about like the the bloody skin clinging to the inside of the mask so it's like these books do not shy away from like really giving you the gory details like old classic goosebumps. this is the book. more mature apparently version of goosebumps. yeah yeah, so uh, so Kate's being shoved into Santa's Santa skeleton's lab, mm. and she's scared stiff. The mother starts to grow colder, saying, "Don't disappoint us, mm-hmm. dear. You wouldn't like us when we're disappointed." Yeah. Like, what the hell kind of statement is that? <laughs> My God, did they they died and became evil sociopaths? Yeah, like what's wrong? So they end up skipping the Father Christmas thing because they're mad about that, and they just have Kate sit with them for dinner. So they bring out a quote turkey. But it's just a turkey carcass. Mm-hmm. They also have a side bowl of mothballs and another bowl filled with decapitated mouse heads, which Peg calls them sweet potatoes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thoroughly grossed out by yeah. this, especially when Peg insists that Kate try the sweet potatoes. You only taste it. Taste it now. Taste it. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> What's wrong with you, woman? What was it called? With Chevy Chase. Uh, they go to the courthouse and it's like this like weird family chevy chase plays like all all the roles nothing but trouble nothing but trouble yeah you're thinking dan Aykroyd plays all these dan roles Aykroyd, okay yeah so uh wrong ghost or uh yeah never mind uh i was uh, <laughs> getting serious uh nothing but trouble vibes in this scene yes you know what I mean? Ugh. yes Freaks me out. so yeah they're trying to shove these damn mice in her mouth and kate's like no <laughs> one more yeah. time can't just have one she yells that she has to go downstairs. I got to go back downstairs. But they calmly push their plates aside and Peg says, it's time for presents. So messed up. Yep. Peg brings Aaron a gift box with a sweater in it. She's given it to him every year over a hundred years. So I do like, want to point out, though, like I made a note of this. So I love how like one minute they're criticizing Kate for singing a stupid song about ghosts and how offensive it is. But the next minute they're making bad puns about how they're dying for presents. Get it? Cause we're ghosts. It's like, is it offensive or isn't it peg? Make up your mind. I guess it's, I guess it's only offensive if you're not (laughs) dead. (laughs) Maybe that's our word. Yeah, exactly. Like, no, no, you can't use that. Haunting is our word. (laughs) What? No. No, I'm sorry. Ugh, that's so weird. But yeah, she's like, he brings out the presents. And then, and so the whole family turns to quote Flora slash Kate and asks what she's brought them. Mm-hmm. And Kate confesses that she doesn't have any presents. Well, they, they literally <laughs> kidnap this girl like on a whim and just expect her to automatically have presents for them. It's like you didn't give her any sort of a warning that she was coming here or that you were <laughs> going to expect Christmas presents or a budget. Her. Yeah. You didn't do Secret Santa. You didn't do anything. No effort whatsoever. Come on, people. But then, you know, so she doesn't have presents and the family gets angry. They don't like it. Their faces change and they start to get all bloated and purpley and red mm-hmm. and their eyes bulge out. 
I'm like, what is going on? It seems like they're, it looks like they're like balloons that are going to pop. That's the thing I'm thinking in my head. Like it's this big bulging, you know? Yeah. And they're like, they must, she must be punished for spoiling their Christmas. I'm like, what? So the boys grab her and they lift her a foot off the ground and she's screaming, let me go. But they just ignore her. She notices that they're taking her to the freaking window. And I'm like, they're going to straight out. Like they're just going to murder her. Damn. They're just going to throw her right out the window. (laughs) Just flat out murder her. And the father's like, goodbye, Kate. (laughs) Oh my God. See, they acknowledge that she's not Flora. They know this. They're going to murder an innocent girl (laughs) before they just hurl her out the window. Like, oh my God. Luckily though, she lands on the roof and she grabs part of the roof and she's grabbing a smokestack pipe thing to keep her from falling. But the twins show up and they're going to try to make sure that she falls all the way down. Right. They tell her she's ruined their Christmas. And she has this great response. No, you're oh, ruining that. mine. <laughs> I made a note of that, that. This is the first time she like lashes back, you know, mm-hmm. she's fighting back. I like that. No, you're ruining my Christmas. I'm like, you tell them, girl. That's right. So they grab her and they carry her all the way down to the well. And Peg says, Flora is so lonely, too. Please wish her a Merry Christmas for us. It's like, so you, you're going to throw her down the well, but then your ghost daughter... And now your fake ghost daughter are both going to be down in the well. <laughs> like, what's going on here? I don't get yeah, it. Yeah, it was super messed up. Like, I don't understand their logic, but it was messed up. She's like, stop it. You know, Kate's like, stop, please. And they just, they're going to, you know, they don't until she mentions helping them. Mm-hmm. They stop short and they listen to her proposal. If she can get Flora to come up from the well for them, can will they please just let her right. go and live her life? <laughs> And they agree to it, even though the parents are like, it can't be done. Can't be done. But they want her to do it now. If she's going to do it, she better do it right now. She's like, well, can you give me a couple of days? <laughs> she's like, no, do it now. And I'm like, do you really think you're going to get with right? that? Right. Yeah, that was, uh, I don't know where she expected to just, you know, be allowed to take some time off to recuperate. But, you know, yeah. Yeah, I don't think so. So she's scrambling her brain for solutions. And then she remembers that Mr. Piccolo said that he had figured out a happy ending and a way to get Flora up from the mm-hmm. well. So in the play, apparently, someone finally screams into the well, come up, come up, come up 12 times. And this frees her spirit. It sounds like a resolution from one of my 12-year-old stories yeah, yep. <laughs> that I've written. Yeah, it, it's- it totally does. It's something just kind of a cop out type of situation. But whatever. She cups her hands and just starts to call, come up, come up, 12 times exactly. And then nothing happens. <laughs> They're just in like, oh, crap. I'm like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do, girl? But then, luckily, they finally hear splashing down below. And they look down, and you can see the top of Flora's red cap, and then Flora's arms coming out of the water. The little girl starts to climb up the wall, but set, you know, stops suddenly claiming that she's climbed as far as she can go. So Kate has to lean over this crumbling well wall. Mm-hmm. I'm like, be careful. To pull Samara and up. Stretch out of her the arms well. out to grab. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Get the ring to end. Yeah. I, I mean, I was reading this and, and I was like, this is not a happy ending. I've seen little dead girls crawl out of a well before and it did not end well for anybody. So no, it did not. Uh, she finally grips the girl's hand, but it's too heavy because the girl is soaked. <laughs> her clothes are soaked. I'm like, all right. So Flora's weight is pulling Kate down into the well. So Kate, let's I just go. don't know why the ghost family so like, isn't helping at all. It's like their daughter is like over halfway up out of the well and she needs help to, 
be pulled out. Kate tries and is starting to get pulled in, and the ghost family just sits there and they're just watching. Like all of a sudden, now the only you thing can't I could think interact of... with the physical world. You know, like for the last like eighteen chapters, you had no problem like pulling chairs out of closets, picking up a girl and throwing her out a window. But now, when your dead daughter is crawling up out of the well, <laughs> now you're just going to sit there and watch. And no, we can't interact with the physical world. It's like you are wonderful people. <laughs> the only thing I can think of is since they couldn't help her back then to save her life, maybe they're not physically like ghostly able to now. But they can't even grab onto Kate and help her symbolically. Pull? That's the only thing I can yeah. think of. Maybe it has something to do with maybe. the well. I don't know. I don't know. There's a lot of open-ended there, crap. Yeah, there really is. <laughs> You're like, I've got questions. <laughs> so Kate's got to go to another tactic. Meanwhile, this crappy ghost family is, is angrily demanding that she hurry up. I'm like, chill, people. You've waited over 140 years. I think a few more minutes won't yeah. <laughs> kill you. So that's when Buzzkill Courtney shows up. Mm-hmm. Kate doesn't have time for her nonsense, which I don't either. She basically just orders, you know, you're going to freaking help me. There's ghosts down here. You're going to help. She's like, what? You're just going to help me. I don't give a crap what you have going on. You're helping me right now. Though, of course, she's reluctant since, you know, it has something to do with ghosts. Right. So Kate doesn't wait. She's just like, I'm going to grab. She just goes straight for grabbing Flora and she starts getting pulled down. So Courtney's like, oh, crap, and grabs her, pulls her, and they pull the girl, the ghost girl out. Flora is finally reunited with her ghost family. Thank God. Everyone comes outside to see what the commotion is, just as Flora says she wants to thank Courtney mm-hmm. for helping pull her out of the well. And this is great. Revealing herself to Courtney and freaking her the F mm-hmm. out after seeing a ghost. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. There's a ghost. Oh, my God. And then finally, oh, this is great. Kate gets a little taste of revenge when everyone sees this. And Jack, her crush, turns to Courtney and calls her the new ghost girl. I'm like, yeah, that's Part of right. me liked the vindication <laughs> in this moment, but it also kind of just really felt hollow. It was like, mm, I, I hope that it lasts. I wanted yeah, more. I, I was hoping for a bit more. It was like, oh, that's it. Okay. I wanted like a like a six weeks later and yeah. you know, Courtney's in the asylum. <laughs> <laughs> Rocking back and forth. I saw a ghost. I saw a ghost. I want to be an actress. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a pretty girl, mama. You know, just <laughs> freaking out. That would have been great. That's what yeah. I wanted. That's the sequel we need. <laughs> um, the 13 Screams of Christmas right there. Oh my there. God, no. Uh, so the weekend ends and Kate is actually disappointed to go home. Fi- you know, she's like, oh, I'm actually starting to have fun. Well, yeah, now that you've gotten all that crap yeah. out of the way and you've like lived to this traumatic event and survived. Yeah, you've got you're running on a high girl. <laughs> she gets home and after answering all these questions from her parents about what happened over the weekend, you know, about rehearsals in the haunted house, she goes upstairs to rest because she is exhausted mm-hmm. after this weekend. Understandably. Yeah. Only to discover she's not alone. Flora, the little ghost girl, has shown up in her house. She wants to stay with Kate, saying that, (laughs) oh my God, this is funny. She says that what kind of family leaves their daughter in a well for over a hundred years? Which, to be fair, that is a fair point. You know, like her family didn't even, like, I mean, I mentioned it earlier. They didn't even really try to pull her up out of the well when she was drowning. And then they just did nothing for a hundred years. So it's like they really must not waiting for somebody else. Yeah. To do so it. it's like they really just didn't try, you know, and it's like they clearly didn't do anything when they continued living their lives and, you know, having children and offspring of their own. So it's like it just 
they they really just did not seem to actually care about Flora that much. No, they did not. And poor Flora, like now she's like, well, I guess I'm going to go live with you, Kate, and I'm going to I'm going to lay in your bed. You can get another bed because I'm taking this. Yeah. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and she's like, oh, I can't wait to meet all your friends. I'm like, are you going to reveal yourself? Yeah. To them? Like, what's going <laughs> like, on? Now I want a sequel because I want to see what happens with this. <laughs> like Flora turns sinister and she's revealed herself to the friends. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, we could see we could do a whole thing with this. But really? So there we go. That's the end. Flora shows up. There's your twist. There's your twist ending. I still want to know what the hell's up with Mr. Piccolo. There's something up with that guy. <laughs> he is messed it up. It's just such a strange. And book. the thing is, it is. It's very strange. And the front cover, which I said oh, yeah. before, it has the same house, has- but there is one guy on the cover. And I think that's Mr. Piccolo. It might be. I never thought about that, but it might be. But it's like he's a ghost and he's covered in Christmas lights and he's wearing a Santa hat. And it's like, I, like until you just mentioned and an and, and ugly Christmas. Yeah, and it's like until you just mentioned that, I was like, I, I was like, who is this? You know, it might be Mister Piccolo, but I don't know. It just might just be some random overweight ghost in a Santa suit. You know, I don't, I don't know what's going on. I really have no idea what's going on with that cover. Just a fat ghoul, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> a regular old fat ghoul. Anyway, what? Uh, did you have any questions about like what else do we have to say about this book? That's just, <laughs> it's so freaking crazy. Um, I kind of want, like I said, I want more. Yeah. I like that. You know, like the, uh, I said before, but um, the other most wanted just seemed wonky to me, you know, like the, you know, the, the haunted mask, the zombie Halloween, they're just like very over the top. They're wonky. I enjoy reading them, but it, it didn't feel like goosebumps. This felt like a goosebumps, you know. I, I, I like the twist ending. I like the ghosts. I like the, you know, uh, it, it stayed true to the most wanted, you know, the underlying things. They have the new house. They had the the same eighteen eighty two, all that. But uh, it still felt more to me like a an old school goosebumps. Yeah. And I just enjoyed it. You know, it freaked me out. And I, you know, children's horror doesn't really do that anymore. So I enjoyed it, man. That was great. Oh yeah, it was. I thought it was. Perfect. And then, you know, what's really funny is that remember how in the last one, there was an introduction by Earl Stein, kind of like the beginning of one of the Goosebumps episodes. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. But this is one didn't have it. I and mean, apparently this is one of the only most wanted ones that doesn't have it. <laughs> have an introduction by Earl Stein, which I is don't really think strange. Haunted Mask had an introduction by Earl Stein. It didn't, but it was also the very first most wanted. It was like the the backdoor quote pilot kind okay, of thing. Gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> I guess. But um, but yeah, all the other ones, apparently, supposedly, this is from what I read. I haven't read the other books, but from what I read, this is one of the few that does not have an introduction. To the Interesting. Which I don't know why. Hmm. You know. So, Robbie, Sammy, what stuff do you want to promote? You want to promote uh, uh, Conspiracies Encrypted? I mean, that's pretty much all I've got going on. So, yeah, why not? Um, my podcast that I run is called Conspiracies Encrypted. Um, we talk about conspiracy theories and creatures like Bigfoot and the Loch Ness Monster from kind of like a comedian, like a comedic and educational standpoint. Um, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, pretty much anywhere that there's social media. And we're at Cryptipod. That's C-R-Y-P-T-I-P-O-D. Um, and then you can find me at Sammy Simplicity pretty much everywhere that there is anything. So I've been using that since MySpace and it has just kind of stuck for the last like 18 years so yay that's me 
Awesome. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I want to plug a couple things. Really exciting stuff happening. Uh, first of all, you can go follow me at Robbie Miles fourteen forty five. That's R O B B I E fourteen forty five. Um, all your favorite horror stuff, books, movies, posters, uh, a lot of cool stuff. This is on Instagram, by the way. That's Instagram. Did I say Instagram? No, no, <laughs> but that's okay. It's Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> it is my Instagram. Thank you, Dustin. Um, and I have my first book coming out. It was you know scheduled for October. A few things uh, got put on hold. But we are definitely closer to putting that out. Uh, it is called Don't Call at All. It is children's horror uh, eight for targeting ages 7 and 12. But obviously, uh, if you like horror, you'll enjoy it. Uh, we're, we're wrapping up the cover shortly, done by the great Cameron Rubik. Uh, so I'm really excited about that. Should be, you know, should be wrapping up with that in the next couple of weeks. Um, and that will be released on Amazon. And uh, there will be physical copy or digital download. And so I'm really excited for that. You guys should check, look out for that coming out soon. Uh, well, I'll definitely put a link to it on here as soon as you get that out there. And I'll put it on for this episode even after the fact. So we'll get that out there for everybody to see. Excellent. So, yeah, th- that's what's going on, guys. Thanks for listening. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. I, guys, that was so much fun. Um, I love <laughs> these books. And I love talking about with you guys, especially because <laughs> I love how you guys have completely different perspectives about what you're looking into when you're reading it too, which is actually really good. I agree, so I get a nice I rounded view of everything. Sammy, you, you cracked me up, man. When I, when I listened to the, uh, the haunted mask episode, I, I was dying. I was, I thought it was so excellent. I was like, I got, uh, you know, and when Dustin had said, you know, I want to bring you guys both on, I, I was psyched man. I was excited. So, you know, keep up the great work, man. Thank you. Oh yeah. He talks you up in the zombie Halloween episode. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> I will, I will have to give it a listen <laughs> he, he mentioned you a couple of times see actually. i just i don't have a filter like i get on these these podcasts and i'm just like i my entire personality shines through so it's like this, this is i get in front of a podcast microphone and i'm like this is my chance to be a stand-up comedian so <laughs> <laughs> thank you guys so much for coming on i really do appreciate it and it's been a great year a great year for the podcast and I've had a lot of fun. I just, I'm glad you guys came along for the ride. Yeah, thanks for having thanks us. Thanks so much, Dustin. Have any questions or comments about Goosebumps Most Wanted, 12 Screams of Christmas, or about Sammy Simplicity, or Robbie Miles, or the show in general? Please reach out to me on Twitter at Dustin underscore Holden, or on Instagram at Dustin Can Read. You can reach me via email at DustinCanReadPod at gmail.com. And please like and subscribe and leave some comments and some ratings on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and Podchaser, wherever you listen to the show. Thanks for listening. Until next time, Dustin Can Read. Dustin Can Read.